Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. You can follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And of course, please go over to Facebook, give the page over there a like as well. So you don't miss out on any, you know, Facebook exclusive content and or contests that may be run over there. Please, we're trying to get everybody that listens to the show, uh, you know, just through audio to please go over to the Thundercast YouTube channel. The links are down in the description and subscribe there as well. Uh, we really like doing these video podcasts and and I, th- I mean they're growing every week so people must like them i don't know i mean it must be your hair but uh <laughs> i guess i beat you to the punch on the joke on the hair on the hair joke this week not a joke not a joke just a, a definitely nod. not a joke yeah, that's right not a joke uh this week we've got a little bit of i don't know what you want to call it extra because the football season regular season has come to an end so uh, bowl announcements. We were waiting on that when we did the last show. So this week's going to have the reaction. This is not your bowl game preview. We're going to have the reaction to Mar- Marshall's bowl announcement, opponent location, and all of that. Uh, we've got a few more than five things, but uh, all of them are equally important, and some of them are really daggone cool. And we're going to talk a little bit more about the NIL realm here at Marshall and how you know, fans can get involved in that with some super useful information that will come up later in the story. And, of course, we're going to close it all out, taking you around the herd, talking about what's going on around herd athletics. So, Russ, look, let's dive right into this bad boy. Normally, I would say give me those five things that every herd fan needs to know, but I'm just going to let you alter that with the actual true number this week. All right. So this week. Here are seven things every herd fan needs to know this week, brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri State's premier IT management team. Number one, this is a great place to start off. I think you'll like it. Milo Yosef named the 2022 MAC Herman Trophy semifinalist. Yep. That, that right now is 15, is that number. And uh, by, I think, early next week, maybe even over the weekend, they're going to have that finalized down to the top three but this is huge yep a lot of folks aren't paying attention to that they'll just because they don't you know many folks honestly and fairly aren't following collegiate soccer as closely as as others so i tweeted it in the tweet and this is the easiest way to make people understand what that is this is soccer's equivalent to the heisman trophy okay and everybody knows what that is and they hand out two of those obviously they hand out one on the women's side and one on the men's side and to be named a semifinalist for that is a huge deal think about all those years ago when we were talking about Randy and Byron and Chad being Heisman finalists and and, and the buzz that was around the program when that was happening this is that same kind of deal imagine if Yosef is named a finalist, and we'll get to talk about that as well. This is just so super cool and a big, big deal. I hope more people are, like, taking notice because, dang, this dude's an all-time great, all-time great. Maybe one of – I don't know if you'll call him the greatest because we don't know what the future holds with this program and the trajectory they're on, but, dang, it's going to be hard to supplant a lot of the things that Milo has been able to accomplish while he's here. But this is so cool and a great way to start this show out. 
Oh, it, it, I mean, it's ridiculously cool. Uh, they have been doing this since 1986. I did a little info. MAC is the Missouri Athletic Club. Mm-hmm. Very prestigious. Uh, so 86, we're looking at 36. This will be maybe the 37th one that they hand out. So it's not something that's an upstart. Just started this year. Um, very prestigious. Heisman level. Just to be a finalist is great. Everything that you said. I mean, how many more accolades can Mr. Yosef get besides hopefully this <laughs> winning <laughs> this? <laughs> yeah. But uh man, shout out. Uh we've had a a blessed uh time to be able to watch this dude here. And I feel like he's just helping our recruiting. He's helping everything about Marshall soccer. So yeah, well, and to to that point. Being able to say, hey, we've got an MAC Herman Trophy semifinalist, potentially finalist, potentially winner that played here. Mm-hmm. How much bigger of a – it's like saying we've got Heisman. We turn out Heisman finalists every year. It's the same – in the same thread. So it just – it's awesome, man. This is a great way to start. It's a super, super cool accolade for him. Congratulations to him. We didn't even say congratulations to him. Just congratulations. It's, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, number two, this is still with soccer, but Morgan White was named to the United Soccer Coaches All-Regional Team. Also very big. Uh, we um, we had an up-and-down year. We finished very strong compared mm-hmm. to that little stretch of bad uh, bad luck, bad bounces, uh, bad fortune. Mm-hmm. But uh, Morgan White killed it all year, and uh, she got some recognition for it, so... Let us not forget to say congratulations to Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a she was a really, really big shining star on the the success in the latter half of the season. Actually, also you mentioned it all season. She was a shining star all season, but a big, big reason that the turnaround came to be in the first place, you know. So mm-hmm. uh so many fans like to talk about, well, you want to be playing your best ball or playing your best towards the end of the year. And that's exactly what we saw from women's soccer. And so you, you we, we like to think that that is the momentum that you need moving forward into the next season so that you can start out stronger. You can weather those those rougher games. And, and you know, if you get a few good bounces here and there, maybe you're on the right side of some of those heartbreakers as opposed to being on the back side of it. But again, I mean, soccer, both soccer programs are, are, are seeing things. Remember, it's, it's like first time ever type stuff. And whenever you're talking about that, it's a big deal. And these Morgan is is no small part of the successes that we're seeing on the pitch for the ladies. And man, it, 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 it's exciting times to be a soccer herd fan, a herd soccer fan. I guess you could yeah. say it, it's not just about the men; it's also about uh, the women's soccer team. It, it, these accolades keep rolling in. Again, we talk about recruiting and and you know making some noise and and just taking to another level you know your floor as a program has been elevated you would like to think so i i like that again every time we talk about soccer I'm like, i don't know what i'm watching i just know i like it <laughs> you know and i know i like it so um anything upward and onward for the herd is always good for me yeah we're going to take it over to softball and talk about i think this is extremely cool coach megan smith lyon is going to be featured at the nfca portland coaches clinic in january she will be doing a uh, seminar one day and two different uh clinics demonstrations the day before yeah if if that doesn't drive home the fact that you have one of the best um head coaches in the country at mm-hmm. your program because 
other coaches want to learn from her, then uh, maybe you're not giving the credit where the credit is due. So we have a hold of something special here. We've talked about many, many times that the the team, the team that Megan and Corey uh, are as coaches is pretty special in its own right. But Megan, in her own right, look at that resume. We talked about when we had her on the show and we interviewed way, way back when, when we were barely two knuckleheads that knew how to turn on mics and she was gracious enough to grant us some time. And we, we studied that resume a little bit and she built a program like from scratch, you know, as a, as a really, really young coach. And she talked about the struggles and doing that and, 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 you know, having to do everything. Like we didn't have of this person or that person on the support staff, like it all fell on her. So you want to talk about somebody that knows how to, um, lace up the boots and go to work. You talk about a blue collar type coach fits right in, in Huntington for certain, for reasons just like that. And oh, by the way, she's pretty damn good at what she does too. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about family. We've talked about how exciting this softball team is, but just to have the respect to be invited uh, to be respected as not just a head coach, but someone that can break down, mm-hmm. you know, a, a different thing. That's a, that's two totally different things. Anyone that's ever been to these as an athlete, uh, anyone that's ever done these as an athlete or a coach or whatever, at whatever level, being a head coach and being an instructor on individual skills, sometimes, you know, if you've been a head coach for a while and you've had someone else doing those specific things underneath you uh, on your staff, maybe you are not as sharp with it. This is a head coach being invited there, not here local, it's Portland, Oregon, you Mm -hmm. know, so one that's going to help our recruiting out in that area. Anyone that's going to those uh, camps and seminars and just the respect that she commands for that speaks volumes. Yeah. It, that you're, you're right. You know, that's a, that's an, uh, an often underappreciated, um, talent let's say let's call it a talent or or a characteristic of a coach you can coach but can you break it down and make the information consumable you know to your athletes or to other coaches that mm-hmm. therein really is one of those things that separates good coaches from great coaches because if you have an idea that you know is going to work but you can't convey that information that idea is not going to work Right. You know, in your head, it'll work 100 out of 100 times. But if you can't get that information across, if you can't get your athletes to understand and, and execute what you want done, it doesn't matter. It's just a really good idea at that point. Yeah. Recruiting so, and managing a roster is totally different than the little X's and O's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that's a football and basketball term, but, uh, you know, the, the little details that go into instruction on drills and uh, play. Uh, one of them was, uh, how to develop, uh, anchor corner infielders, you know, so this is in her wheelhouse and speaks volumes to what kind of coach that we have here. We can't say it enough. Yeah. Just get your butts out there to the dot and, and watch them play. Watch this firsthand. It's free. They're non-ticketed show up to these games and watch what other people are inevitably paying to see. And you get to see it for free in real time. It's, 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 uh, we're blessed. Let's just say that we're blessed to have to have her and the team of Megan and Corey and, and Coach Hall there too. Well, we're going to swap over to football and the rest of our things will revolve around that. So first, let's talk about the team awards at the football banquet. They wrapped up. 
I have them all here in front cool. of me. I have um, not seen them all. So this will be, <laughs> I haven't, this will be nice to hear them all. Oh, okay. So I'm going to read them off, but if you have something to say uh, after each one, just uh, hop right in. Okay. Team MVP overall, Micah Abraham. Offensive MV, MVP, Kalen Labron. Defensive MVP, Owen Porter. Special teams MVP, EJ Horton. Uh, Mayor Steve Williams got the Phil Ratliff Distinguished Alumni Award. The President's Award they gave out to several people. You got Isaiah Carpenter, Henry Columbi, Stone Scarcelli, Kendrick Sartor, and Cedric Palant. Chad Pennington Offensive Achievement Award, Corey Gamage. Tom Stark Defensive Achievement Award, Abraham Boplan. The Upfront Award, Damian Barber. John Connard Award, Logan Osborne. Or Osborne, sorry. Outstanding Defensive Performer, Charlie Gray. Eternal Captain, Kobe Cumberlander, Eli Neal, Dalton Tucker. Scout Team, Offense, Cole Pennington. Scout Team, Defense, Sherman Hatton. Scout Team, Special Teams, Hagen Stevenson. Most Inspiring Players, Isaiah Norman, Jacob Kirkendall. Iron Man Award, Trent Holler, Josh Bowers, Eli Neal, Tyreek Bell. Commitment to Academic Excellence, Jace Bobo. Outstanding Senior Scholar, Zach Appio. Unsung Hero Award, Stephen Gilmore, Andre Sam, Devin Miller, Stacey Marshall, and Anthony Watts. And that's all. Dang. There's no way I could have jumped in on each and every one of those, but let's just go ahead and say, I think they kind of nailed it, you know? Yeah. Uh, let me tell you something cool about that. Cause this popped into my head when you were talking about the scout team awards. Right. Uh, I, I don't know if you use time hop. I use time hop. Cause I like to see, you know, pictures of my son that pop up from nine years ago that I'd totally forgotten about. Well, today I was scrolling through the feed and four years ago today, Owen Porter was named scout team defensive MVP. How about that? What a rise. You talk about developing a player, a guy that has uh, that is exactly what you hope to see when someone commits, right? Mm -hmm. He pays his dues, works hard, gets better, develops, gets better, develops, gets better. And now here he is being named, you know, being recognized on certain publications, all American teams, being recognized by his own team from scout team, defensive MVP to you know, tied for what was it, sixth or something like that in the country and sacks, gypped out of one that would have moved him even higher. Uh, but I, I don't want to, I didn't want to focus this whole thing on him, but I thought it was cool that I, that popped across that, my timeline today. That is very cool. Yeah. So uh, one of the greatest I, I feel like to ever do it, one of the, Fan favorite doesn't even say it right. You know, he's he'll be talked about for a long, long time. I really, really hope he comes back for one more year and uh, puts a stamp on that career here with uh, Kelly Green and White. But uh, congratulations to all the guys that were recognized. Um, again, you know, these awards, I think they, just by nature, they try to show love to as many people as they can because there's so many contributors that do so many important things. But uh, it's hard to distinguish, you know, uh, offensive outstanding player versus offensive MVP versus this and that and the other. But we had so many people on all three phase in all three phases, make so many big plays that contributed to the success 
I, the best I can say is I think they nailed it. Great job in in handing out these awards. It's it's uh, uh, to me, you know how this strikes me, and coming from various organizations that we're a part of, that uh, captain, eternal captain, is uh, that's that's a special kind of cool for me. I, th I think that's uh, one of those things that's it's not measurable. You know, it's not like, wow, you really, you really went out and had a great season statistically. It says more about the person than it does um, just about the stat line game in and game out. And I think those awards are, I mean, those are the tops, man. Those are, those are the coolest. So for a guy like Kobe Cumberlander, who I feel like is exactly the definition of that type of thing, to, to be recognized in that way. Congratulations to him, but excellent little thread there. I hadn't seen all that. I saw the article, but I didn't uh, really go through and look at it all. You uh, alluded to this in what you were talking about, but uh, number five is Owen Porter was named college football network defensive all American. Mm -hmm. Very good. Uh, I mean, we we've said everything that we can say about him, but this is a, other people across the country recognizing, yeah, you know, uh, so hats off. Congratulations to him on that. Um, you got anything else to say or just echo what you said before? Uh, not necessarily about Owen, uh, but there are some other guys that were being recognized on other, um, like all Sunbelt teams across national publications, but specifically Cedrice Palin was recognized a number of times. And, uh, uh, I just wanted to take a second since, um, you know, I didn't want this to necessarily fall through the cracks because that's a big deal. You know, even mm -hmm. if, even if it's just an all Sunbelt team, um, it's still a big deal because, you know, he, he, it's a first year player here. Yeah. He's played some ball before from up and uh, coming from Rutgers, but it's the first year here. And you're always wondering, how's that going to translate? And it translates to the tune of him being, you know, one of the best uh, offensive linemen in the conference and and some other online outlets that love to produce top lists um, recognized him as well. So congratulations for all to him for all of his hard work being recognized. I know it's often hard to do that when you talk about schools like Marshall, Sunbelt Schools, Conference USA, MAC schools. You just have to dominate so much that you outshine some of those Power 5 guys in order. They still might rank them ahead of you, but you've made them take notice of you. And and that's that's a that's tough to do, so it does not go unnoticed here. So congratulations to him. Congratulations to Owen too. I mean, gee, many Christmas, all American. Anytime that's attached to you, huge deal. I don't care if it's the Russ Living Good, Russ Living Good dot com, you know, All American Award. It's 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 pretty cool to have those two words after your name. Well, now I'm going to have to start that. Let me make a <laughs> note. All right, uh, this can't all be good news. Number six, transfer portal news. Uh, we've got two in there as of right now. Well, actually there's three, there's a guy that, uh, was from last, uh, last year. Yeah. He, he went in, uh, Anthony Dunn, I think mm -hmm. was the name. He's been he's, in since August, really yeah, August. He's still in there, uh, in for us because he has not gone to another team. Right. So, uh, Manuel Balligan and Pete Zamora are yeah. both in the transfer portal. We uh, we mentioned these on Twitter, but for anyone that's listening or watching for the first time, there you go. Yeah, I, and I'm going to let you lead with this, right? Because you had a really nice tweet, so I want you to drive that point home, and then you know I'll, I'll expand. Yeah, so uh, 
more so no slight to Balogun, but, uh, you know, Zamora was uh, the first official signee during uh, the first re- first full recruiting period for Coach Huff. And he also was very vocal on getting other people to uh, sign here. And there were a lot of people thinking that he could be the future starter. And mm-hmm. when we had quarterback problems earlier this year, people were saying, put in Pete. You know, it's Pete's time. Let's see what he's got, get him some seasoning. So social media, there was a lot of, oh, man, you know, and this is deflating the balloon and that sort of thing, which I totally get. I totally understand what you were saying about my tweet. And I'll say it here once, in my opinion, once a son of Marshall, always a son of Marshall. Now, that goes doubly for someone that has graduated. We talked about basketball last year mm-hmm. with West and Williams. They did yep. their time, man. Yep. You know, some of these people that walked on senior day uh, for football, you know, if they end up transferring, I'm going to hate it. Yep. I hate to lose them because I love what they bring to our team, you know, but I am going to support them. I'm going to support Pete. Uh, I am going to support anyone because. Hey man, if we're at a job and our job really likes us and our customers like us or whatever it might be, but we decide that we're a better fit somewhere else, who's to say we shouldn't be able to do that? And it's the same, you know, I feel like we get a little fanatical at times about our players and it's like, well, I guess he wasn't good enough here. So see you later. I didn't see anybody say that on this specific instance. I'm just saying things have been said like that at other programs at different times. Some of them I've seen this year at other programs, Mm -hmm. but my stance is always I'm supporting the student athlete so they can go. It might be more academic than, than athletic. You never know, man, unless they make a statement and say exactly why they're transferring. You don't know a hundred percent why they're transferring. So Pete, good luck. Best of luck. I think you're going to have a great career wherever you go because he's got great character, he's got good talent, and he's got a good work ethic. And uh, Balligan, he in the little bit of time that he played, he made a, an impact when he was in. Uh, and I say little bit. I mean, he played in eight games uh, mm-hmm. each of the last two seasons, but he wasn't a starter. He wasn't in, you know, playing 75% of the snaps, that sort of thing. Um, I wish both of those guys the best of luck and to take it back home before I give it to you, we can't sit here and talk about all of the incoming transfers that we're going to have all the ones that we brought in this last year. You just brought up Cedric's Palin. You know, we can't glorify bringing them in and then bemoan the fact when somebody else leaves, that's just the nature of the game now. And we shouldn't take it personal. They they got to go where they got to go. Yeah, yeah. So to me, this this whole ordeal, not just these two guys, but the transfer portal, guys in and guys out, the whole machine, mm-hmm. you can be one of two fans, honestly. You can be the always a son of Marshall guy. Thank you for, you know, your time here and what you did to help the herd, right? Because even vital in spring ball, vital, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. Henry Henry couldn't participate. So, you know, what Pete was doing was vital in spring ball. And a lot of that spring ball uh, practice and repetition put the ball in motion for things that happened in the fall, obviously. I mean, if you just don't do anything for the spring, you're going to get boat raced in the fall because you're not practicing. So you can't just 
turn your back to the fact that, you know, he did it, Pete wasn't a starter and, and didn't put up big eye popping numbers. That's that's not what this is about. So back to my original point. You can be one of two fans. You can be the, you know, always a son of Marshall. Thank you for your time. Or you can be like the F you, you're a bum, you're gone. Right. And I don't, I don't get that. I, I, I just can't understand that. What does that say about guys that might be looking at your school to come there? It's like, is this how I'm expected to be treated? Like, yeah. I don't know if I want to be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And we all know that every fan base has that, but they don't have to. Ours doesn't yeah. have to have that. You know, I don't care what they do at other places. Like we can set ourselves apart. Right. And by and large, I think we do a fabulous job of just supporting our athletes and, and giving credit where credit is due and well-wishing when they choose to leave. It hurts and it sucks, but you're right. We are fanatical. You know why? Because we didn't enter the transfer portal. Mm -hmm. We, we are tied to Marshall forever and, and we hold it near and dear and we expect people to be as passionate as we are. And when they're not, we take it personally a little bit. But uh, I've tried and and have learned to remove myself from those emotions quite a bit. And, you know, I'm I'm not making a business decision. Right. And like and, or I just want to play football or I just want to play basketball. I work my ass off to get to this level and to be able to play. I don't mm -hmm. want to sit. You know, mm -hmm. the clock is ticking for me. I only have so many years. And if I want to play, I want to play. You talked about it, it could be an academic reason. It could be. I don't care if all they want to do is go play ball. They Same. earn the right to be on a roster and they want to play. Yep. Why would you want to work your butt off to sit, you know? So yeah. I, 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 I just do not have any ill will towards those guys. I wish them all the best. I think Pete Zamora will be successful wherever he lands. He doesn't, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be like the next quarterback at South Carolina. If he, mm -hmm. you know, if he wants to go back home type thing, he, it doesn't matter. You know, you can make it to the pros from any school at any level. If you can play, they will find you. We've had guys make it there. There have been guys from the lowliest of teams in the country make it to the pros. There have been guys on in D3 schools make it to the pros. If you can play, they will find you. Emmanuel Balligan has the, the build to wreck it on a defensive line. Six foot mm -hmm. seven, you can't teach that. So there is a team somewhere for him that needs his services. I think that both of these guys and any other guys that we may see, this cycle is <laughs> in its infancy, right? So – these guys can be successful anywhere they choose to go. It's just a matter of finding the right fit and making the right choice for them. I don't hold any ill will towards them. I would really like to see them just go on and succeed because that says something about Marshall too, that we develop players that can go on and be productive in other places if they choose to leave. So while it sucks and it stings as a fan and the point you made about guys that have uh, fulfilled their commitment, you know, they've graduated and will they or won't they come back as a fan? Yeah, it stings if they leave as a fan. Yeah. I want them to come back. I want them to see it one more time in Kelly green white. I want them to come back and do it one more time, but I'm not mad when they leave, you know, like yeah. it sucks, but what, what, what good does that do for me? It just ruins my day. I don't let it ruin my day. Now as a final thought, let us both clarify. We're not picking apart because we've seen somebody say this. I haven't no, seen anybody no. bad. I haven't seen anybody bad mouth either one of these it's guys. It's just national social yeah. media that yeah. you see it. I mean, look, let me give you an example. I'll, I'll clarify it real quick. Yesterday, I saw, I can't remember the school. I want to say it was Miami, Florida, that a kid wanted to transfer from there. I'm, I, don't hold me to this. I'm, I'm not 100% if this was the school. A kid wanted to transfer to be closer to his sick mom. Right. Yep. That was the reason. And mm -hmm. the fan was like, F him, mm -hmm. mama's boy, this, that, and the other. And that yep. is 
egregiously uncalled for. Yeah. Like, get the hell out of here with that yeah. bullshit. I don't care what he wants to do. Who cares? Yeah. That see, that's where we don't have room for in the in the fan base. I don't think that's right. And, and any level-headed person would would back me on that. I feel like. Like if that's your stance, if you think a kid should play for your team over being closer to his family, his his sick family, then you are warped in the head. <laughs> like I love the herd too, but if I had to face the choice of going back and be with my ailing parent versus, you know, being being at Marshall, I'm going back to being with my ailing parent. Jeez. Yeah. All right. We've uh come to our seventh and final and I know we've spent a lot of time on these, but <laughs> this one's going to be a little bit extended because Hey, it seems like it's been three weeks since this announcement came out, but it's been, <laughs> it's been since our last uh, podcast. Yeah. It's it's official. We're playing in the Myrtle Beach Bowl Monday, December the 19th at 2.30 p.m., and we're playing against UConn. Yep. Let's talk reactions. Let's talk everything about this bowl. Not a preview of the team. Uh, not a preview of the game. Just a reaction about this bowl. If you want my initial excitement level, and if I'm being honest, it wasn't that high, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but I'm, I'm very much a mixed bag on it. Okay. And we can get into all the particulars, but right off of the bat, I was excited that we get a bowl. I was excited that it's a place that we can travel to. Um, and I'm also really kind of excited that it's, it, most fans say it sucks to have that early bowl game, but I would much rather be playing on December 19th than December 24th, mm -hmm. right? Because I feel like more fans would go mm -hmm. if 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 it's a you know not so close to that Christmas window. But on a scale of one to ten, my knee jerk reaction to this is this, this taking everything into account, maybe a six, six and a half. You know, uh, it, it's it's just there's no real storyline there for me to to grab a hold of other than what well, we played them in 2015 and it was a tight game then. And I heard was a 10 win team and blah, 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 blah. So um, scale of one to 10, where do you, where do you fall? I'm uh, probably around uh seven, but uh, had it not been six and six Yukon that started out, I think one and four and then went five and two the rest of the way, if I got it correct. Uh, and the fact that the last time that they played a bowl game was against Marshall, the game that you just talked about in 2015, I would be a little more excited. But still, I think a seven, uh, a lot of that, man, uh, which I'm going to talk a bunch of different positives and things, but rewind about a month ago. Yep. Five weeks ago yep. when everyone was saying, ah, man, we're not going to win a bowl game. We, we might I finish. Was we might finish five and seven, yep. you know? And um, I think that that speaks volumes that we're eight and four and we're saying, oh man, I just, I'm not too excited about this bowl, man. We wasn't going to have one in most people's eyes, you know? So the other part is you mentioned it's on December the 19th. I love that date. You know that I'm very, very busy around the Christmas time, but a lot of those bowls are stacked on top of each other on days, and this is not one of those days. That is the only bowl game that day. 
My only argument would be if it were 530 or something, it might be a little bit better. Now, I don't own that bowl, so mm-hmm. I can't change that time. I'm going, and I'm going to be extremely happy to watch that game, whether it's at 2.30 or whatever. I have a, I had a vacation day that I had to burn before the end of the year. I lost it, and guess what? I held out for a bowl game, and here we go. <laughs> so I'm going to the game. Um, the, uh, the time is the only little drawback on, on the schedule of it, but the, uh, the team I would have liked to have played someone that we hadn't played before is yeah. the only deal. Yeah, I think that's the rub for me as well. It's that uh, if it was just a new team, mm-hmm. yep. just someone different, because that's right. supposed to be what bowls are about for, it, especially it for G five, yeah. especially for G five teams. You know, because P- Power five teams are in today's world are just kind of locked together. Mm-hmm. And if it would have been just about anyone mm-hmm. um, that we hadn't played before, a or somebody that we had played before that we could have gotten excited for the matchup. There was a lot mm-hmm. of speculation that Marshall might end up facing Western Kentucky in that bowl game. And I think some fans, even though that's a a Conference USA team and, and Marshall can't run away from Conference USA fast enough, I think there would have been enough excitement around that game for them to be like, yeah, we'd like to lay one on the Hilltoppers for, you know, what happened in the season finale last year. I think mm-hmm. we, you know, cause that's not going to be an annual game anymore. So when you right. can get, take control of that series again, you want to be able to do that. But uh, Myrtle beach, you got to like, right. You got to like it. That, that's like the second home for a lot of West Virginians. Uh, I hope that there's a, a, a nice crowd. Um, hell locally, there should be just a lot of West Virginians there that, that kind of live there. Well, I can tell you that, uh, which we'll get into that. You said a nice crowd, but uh, the UConn message board and their ticket sales for this, from everything that I've heard, they have sold a bunch. They mm-hmm. have a, a decently close uh, regional airport there that has direct flights. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say regional, not in the type of airport, but as in relation to where they are in Connecticut. Right. Uh, it's not a far drive for them. Um, but they have direct flights down and everybody that I saw was like, yeah, I wish it wasn't Marshall for the same reasons. Like that's who we played in our last bowl game. Wish it was somebody fresh, you know, right. but they were talking about, they were going to have a huge contingency going. Um, it's their first bowl in seven years. So they've got people just itching and dying to go. Mm-hmm. We have sold out, um, uh, the Carolina club and the fan zone levels. And we're about to sell out the um, premium reserved seating, the chair backs. So I know that there's going to be a big crowd. There's a lot of excitement for people. Uh, I've seen people online on social media, on uh, message boards and people were like, Hey, where's everybody staying? And people are like, well, I'm staying at my condo that I own. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, There, there are, Fans, like you said, that are transplants that live down there. Uh, man, I'm from Gilbert. I mean, that was Myrtle Beach South. Yeah. Gilbert. Miners dude. Vacation, dude. Miners it, vacation. Was, it was that's a caravan to Myrtle Beach. Yeah, that's that's what, when we had our, our good friend Stephen P. New on the show. You right. know, he, he and I talked about Miners Vacation and going down to Myrtle Beach. So um, I feel like, too, that there could be maybe some coastal fans that are there and just say, ah, you know, yeah, I'll just go- local fans. Yeah. 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 So uh, I think that it's going to be a really good crowd. Yeah, I do. 
I hope so. And if anybody at Allegiant Air happens to be listening to this freaking podcast, put on a direct flight from HTS to Myrtle Beach, please. I've because... got a little news on that. Oh, see, <laughs> doing my doing my thing here. Just but because to... when you just said that, they just called and texted me and said, "Hey, we're going to do that." Just because KD said, see, because I'm on the pulse here. I, I'm I'm kind of a heavy hitter at Allegiant I use it at least once a year, so you know they they pay attention to when I when I request things. But that to me is a huge thing to have in place. People may not want to make that round trip flight, and if you can get to the freaking Around or I'm sorry, round trip drive. If you can fly it and be there an hour each way, it takes me 90 minutes from Clearwater to Huntington. So what the hell's a flight from Huntington to Myrtle Beach? An hour maybe. So the uh, the airport board at Tri-State Airport has reached out to Allegiant uh, and said, "Hey, we need to add this." They're waiting to hear back from them. I think from all expectations, it's going to be done. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just a matter of how many flights and that sort of thing. But I have a feeling if they flew people down Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and even Monday morning, they would probably sell out all four of those flights. Yeah, I mean, they if you're just going to go back and forth a couple of times, I mean, you could bang out a couple of flights in a day, you know, you or could. three, you know, if you do an early morning and, I mean, an afternoon and an, and an evening, you, you could make three planes full of people in a day. And yeah. I think they could do that because, you know, what's a normal flight hold? I don't know, maybe two two to three hundred people. I don't know. Well, I'm I'm holding out for the news on that. Uh, I'm planning as a backup to drive down, but yeah. I really, really want to fly down and fly back. It is uh, very quick, like you said. Sure when, is. When I've got three kids at home, that's ideal for my logistics. You know, yeah. uh, three kids that are in school that I have to get to school, figure out how they're going to get to school, how they're going to get back from school. I would much rather not be driving eight hours down, eight hours back. Yeah. And there's a decent chance that I may have to do that drive Monday morning early to get down there and then leave right after the game so Ugh. yeah i'm hoping for a flight yeah and everyone everyone i've talked to said that they kind of expect that there will will be a flight but probably multiple flights should be has to be i mean that's yeah. the type of thing that has to happen you have to make games easy to get to you know and that's the easiest way to do it i mean golly i i fly around trip a lot of times from you know Clearwater to Huntington and I spend less on a round trip flight than I would probably to put gas in the car to get to Georgia you know mm -hmm. so it's it's just so economical it's so quick and you get more time to have fun you know an hour later you're in Myrtle Beach and you can have fun instead of mm -hmm. driving that whole time but that's super cool now I I got to go back to the point I made about you know me being basically at a six and a half and I think the lion's share of that is the opponent mm-hmm um, and a lot of that is the fact that they have mired in mediocrity or below since 2015. And uh, they are on the uptick. Jim Mora has done a great job of getting them back to being competitive. It, I'm sure it's not an easy rebuild up there. But, um, you know, you're like 6-6 six and six bowl eligible, doing their thing. But uh, this is a game that you have to look at and go, Marshall's got to win. I mean, they've got to win this game because we're down, you know, we're over here hating on, man, it's a six and six team and it's underwhelming. You've got to go in and win the game, right? So 
uh, there's a little bit of pressure from a fan standpoint. I feel like <laughs> that. I feel like, man, we we've got to go make a really good showing here, or else we're gonna we we're gonna go kind of nosedive a, ta- a a little bit here at the end of the season as a fan base and go, well, we can't even beat a six and six. You've gone, you know, whatever. But uh, I, I like Myrtle Beach. Have you seen some of the things that have come out like activities? I'm sure you've got those, right? I, I've got them, and they're on the docket to talk about. Let's so do that. Let's go to that. Yep. So first off, they uh, tried a couple of travel packages, and it's basically to show everybody just how expensive it is. It's not economical to do a charter uh, on a flight. It was going to cost $2,000. That got you a two-night hotel stay, a ticket to the game, $2,000 per person to fly down there and back. It's just not going to be it for most people, you know? Um, second was a bus trip. It was 1500, same difference, but I'm telling you, man, if I'm going to be in a vehicle of some sort for eight hours down to Myrtle beach, I'm not going to pay 1500 bucks to sit in a bus. No offense to anybody that wants to do that. That ain't me. So I'd rather just drive. Um, but those are the two things there. The other thing that they, uh, have is, um, uh, uh, the tailgate. $55 per person, and it's right next to the stadium from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., so give you enough time to finish from your tailgate, walk into the game, and still see the intros and all that stuff uh, before the kickoff starts. So RSVP on that by noon, December the 14th. Uh, that is on, we have tweeted it out. You can find it. We'll tweet it again for you after you listen to this. But uh, the Big Green Scholarship Foundation has put that out on Facebook and uh, Twitter. Find it. If you're interested, you're going. It's a good time. It's all inclusive. It has the DJ, all food, all drinks, that sort of thing. Yeah. I've they seen, also – yeah, go ahead. I was going to say I've seen some – some. they're trying to put together some activities other than yeah. just the tailgate, and I'm sure mm-hmm. that's where you were going, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I, won't, I won't steal your thunder. Uh, now I don't have this in front of me. I think that it's called wings and things, but it might be wild wings and things. I can't remember the name, but if it's the one I'm thinking about, this is a local person, uh, in the maybe Milton Ona area that, uh, moved down to Myrtle beach and has that bar down there. So they're meeting at that person's bar. Every time you go in there, they have Marshall gear, you know, behind mm-hmm. the bar and everything. So that's just going to be a, a, Huntington South at that point that night. And that is Saturday at 7 PM, I believe. Yeah. It's uh, called the wild wing cafe, wild wing cafe. I was very close. It yep. had wing, it had wing in there. Yeah. Wild wing cafe at 7 PM to close on uh, Saturday, December 17th. They say you don't need to RSVP RSVP. So it's kind of just like a show up and everybody have dinner together type thing. And if this yep. is the same place I'm thinking of, remember way back when several years ago when they were tearing down the field house and they were selling the seats out of the field house. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that some of those uh, seats made their way to the to the wild wing cafe or at least one of those places down there got some of the seats as like when they're on a wait you know that's what you set in yeah. so uh always been a a big marshall supporter marshall a local alum type folks and um also on did you talk about crocodile rocks nope okay are you were you going to well i was gonna let you Oh, okay. So the day, <laughs> the day before the wing, the wild wing cafe, they're having like the, uh, kind of the nightcap hangout 
party type deal at uh, Crocodile Rocks. It's uh, at, is that Broadway at the beach? I think that's I what think. that's called. Yeah. If you've never been there, I've been there before. It's cool, man. It's a dueling piano bar. And if you've never been to one of those places, it gets really entertaining. And fun fact about Crocodile Rocks, I have a cousin that's many, many years older than me now, like probably well into retirement age. You know, he was like the oldest of all of our cousins. And he played piano professionally like his entire life, you know, as an his entire adult life. And he played at Crocodile Rocks for a long, long, long time, a really long time. So that place kind of holds a special spot in my heart. And uh, um, if you go there, you will have a blast. There's just nothing like a dueling piano bar, and especially one in a place like Myrtle Beach that just gets, it's really big and it gets really energetic. And it, the place will inevitably be packed with Marshall fans, and Yukon fans, and you'll do a thing to where they'll have like the dueling fight songs or, you know, stuff like that to where they'll pit one fan base against the other to songs that are special to them. And, you know, the way that you get your song played is to keep tipping that pianist. So you have your money ready uh, and, and, you know, win some pride for the herd at <laughs> Crocodile Rocks. Uh, but that that will be a really fun time. Also, that's 8.30 p.m. to midnight. It says you can wear, if you wear green, Kelly Green, Herd Gear, you're going to gain free entry. So it's obvious that they're trying to get those fan bases to Crocodile Rocks. No RSVP necessary for that either. One last note I'm going to make. I, don't, I can't speak as if they still own this. I, I really don't. But this was many years ago. Uh, I have an aunt and uncle, great aunt and great uncle. Uh, they may have sold the place by now, but if they didn't and you're looking for a place to stay, they own a bed and breakfast down there, and it's called Serendipity Inn. It's kind of on the northern part of Myrtle Beach, not North Myrtle Beach, but in northern Myrtle Beach. It's the same folks whose son was the piano player at, at Crocodile Rocks. Uh, so uh, I've stayed at Serendipity Inn uh, several, several, several years ago. Uh, I know it's still there. I was looking at it just now on Google, but it doesn't say who owns the place. So if you're looking for a and b Check it out. If there's rooms available, you'll like it. They have different themed rooms, or at least they did. Every room is something kind of different, but uh, pretty cool to not just be in a traditional hotel. If you want the more bed and breakfast type experience, that's a cool place to check out Serendipity Inn. Uh, and the last thing, I guess, Russ, you talked about the tailgate. So it's Wild Wing Cafe, Crocodile Rocks, and the pregame tailgate. There's a lot. They're trying to make a really fun time down at the beach. Yeah. So if you can go, go. I can't go for a number of reasons. A, it's I'm in Florida and B December 19th is Cooper's birthday. So I'm kind of tied that day, but I will be watching. We will be watching the game. Um, the last thing I'll say is I know a bunch of people are going, I've seen a bunch of people going ticket sales, say a bunch of people are going, there's going to be a bunch of unofficial get togethers, you yep. know, that are on top of this, go to these official ones. Cause they're cool. And it helps support. I mean, besides the tailgate, no one's asking you for money at Crocodile Rocks. You know, they're in fact they're they've set this up where you can get in for free. Yeah. You know, no one's asking for money at Wild Wing Cafe. If you're going out anywhere, go to that. You know, just support, be loud, show Myrtle Beach and everybody around there what herd fans are all about. But uh there's gonna be a lot of people that either live down there that are going for the entire weekend, that sort of thing. Uh Tweet us, man. Uh, let us know what you're going to be doing, where you're going to stay, what time you're going to be down there. You know, we'll we'll start a little uh, 
maybe help people help folks get together. You know, we'll retweet where you're going to be and that sort of thing. And maybe we can get some herd fans connected down there. Yeah. It, those group photos, those, those meetups, those link ups, those are always cool. Uh, you know, stumbling upon herd fans out in the wild mm -hmm. <laughs> just is always fun. You know, even around here, I see, I wear Marshall stuff just about every day and a few times, you know, a week, once a month, something like that. Once every few weeks, it, um, somebody will be walking out of a restaurant or walking out of a store or something and they'll stop me and they'll be like, Hey, did you go to Marshall? I went to Marshall and we'll have a little conversation for whatever on Thanksgiving. It was either thanks day after Thanksgiving or the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I don't remember. We were walking somewhere and the door opened and like six people came out and all of them were Marshall alums. And it was like generations of a family, you know, the, the, the eldest was like, oh, I was back there. I was there in like the, you know, the early 60s is when I graduated. When did you graduate? And I said 2003. And she was like, oh, honey, <laughs> you know. So it's always nice to to run into herd fans in the in the wild. And, and there will be a big concentration of them at Myrtle Beach. Um, two notes for me as we close out this just reaction. One, if you're buying tickets, forget about StubHub. Forget about yeah. those aftermarket crap. Go directly to HerdZone.com and buy your tickets from HerdZone. Stop trying to save two bucks. Buy it from HerdZone because that benefits the university and the athletic department. It's less of a total we're going to be on the hook yeah. for at the end of the day. Support Marshall Athletics. Second, I know of a really sweet podcast that's giving out four tickets for free to the Myrtle Beach Bowl Two separate giveaways of two tickets apiece, and all you got to do is follow the directions in the contest tweet to be eligible. And that sweet podcast is going to be giving those out a week ahead of time, so you'll know if you won. And if you didn't win, you'll still have time to grab yourself some tickets and make your plans. Yeah. So, one, buy from Herd Zone. Two, enter the Thundercast Myrtle Beach ticket, Myrtle Beach Bowl ticket giveaway for your chance at two free tickets to the game that's on facebook as well uh so the drawing you know it may be both or both uh sets of two tickets are given away on twitter maybe both are given away on facebook it may be one from one and one from the other we don't know until we yeah. draw randomly right but uh just just get get in there and kd i cannot say any more how right you are don't go to the bowl uh page and buy directly from them. They're making enough money anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're buying from StubHub or something like that, you're buying and letting a, uh, a scalper who got easy ticket deals, and maybe it's even a scam. You don't know. Uh, don't buy them off of eBay, things like that. Go to HerdZone.com, buy directly from us. It helps your athletic department and they are not marking them up it's the same exact price that you would see on myrtlebeachbowlgame.com or whatever it is yep so and it's, and it's cheap man 30 bucks 30 bucks i mean what a deal 30 bucks let, let me talk about this real quick remember i was talking about like i had a i had a vacation day scheduled in case marshall landed in the cure bowl mm -hmm. and i had kind of kicked around like well hell this is going to be a great cure bowl maybe i'll go watch utsa and troy and you know, I got a little feedback on that. Some folks were like, yeah, 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 come and do it. And they send me links to the to the Troy, uh, the Troy link to go buy tickets. Let me tell you about this, okay? I click the link. It goes to Ticketmaster, not even to Troy. This is Troy Athletics, right? Right. 
goes to Ticketmaster, one ticket for that game was over 50 bucks. The mm -hmm. cheapest ticket you could buy because of all those added Ticketmaster fees. Yep. Marshall, don't do that, dude. Go nope. to Herd Zone, buy the ticket. You pay like a $3 processing fee on top of your $30 ticket or something like that. It's yeah. it's incredibly affordable. So there's no reason to go or not to buy a ticket in, just in case you can't go. And they're also doing like proxy tickets. So mm -hmm. even if you want to help the herd offset that total, but you can't go to the game, buy some tickets to give away. They'll give them away to probably like local veterans or something mm -hmm. down there at Myrtle they Beach. Or, uh, I saw a thing. There's also a campaign. They're giving free student tickets. Each student, yep. each student can apply to get up to two, I believe. So they really want to pack the house. So if you're listening and you're a student, Seek that out, you know, but if you can afford to buy one, buy one, you know, but uh, definitely herd zone only and uh, and the Thundercast uh, contest. Russ here, let me let me ask. I'm thinking maybe we should give one set of those away a little bit earlier. So somebody goes so people go, damn, they really are giving away tickets. Maybe I should enter, you know, maybe not uh, not like a week sooner or, you know, five days, but maybe like one set on the 12th. And then the next set on the 13th, you know what I mean? So it's like, wow, somebody actually won. That's, that's, uh, that's fine with me. Uh, but I also want to tell all of our listeners out there, if you don't know that we're giving away tickets by now, you haven't been following us because yeah. we have been giving away tickets all season long for football, all season long for soccer, women's soccer, uh, men's basketball, women's basketball, any ticketed event. We give those away yep. and we, we do that because we have terrific sponsors that yep. make it possible for us to be able to do that. But yep. yes, we, you have probably seen us tagged from our seats by all the different winners over the, the weeks, the days, the months, they tag us from there. It's going to be the same at the bowl. Whoever wins, I'm sure they're going to give us a shout out for getting some free tickets and being at a bowl game. So yep. please get in these drawings we're doing yep. this for you guys and we're doing it for marshall and we want to increase everyone's fan experience yep sure is that's the, that's literally the only catch to winning our tickets is that we ask that you take a picture from your seats at the game and tag us so that we can further prove that people actually do win tickets and go to these games for free you know yeah. on our on our dime on the dime of our sponsors we it's all about raising the fan experience for, uh, you know, herd fans and helping out the Marshall athletic department along the way. I mean, we do give away tickets a lot. As a matter of fact, I've got tickets that I'm trying to give away to the women's basketball game tonight, uh, because they're back at the cam. So, you know, obviously you won't hear this, but all men's, all women's basketball home games, free tickets, follow the contest tweet. A lot of times it's just as simple as liking the tweet. And making sure you're following the podcast. If Russ posts it, cross posts it on Facebook, he'll have a similar type thing. Like the page and you know, share the post and you'll be entered. And it's literally that easy. Yeah. Literally that easy. Um we got a little bit of a special segment moving forward. You know, we talked about NIL news or not news, but NI the NIL space uh moving forward. And we were fortunate enough to spend a little bit of time with one of our collectives and, uh, or I'm not one of our collectives with the treasurer of one of our collectives, Michael Massini, and um, got a little bit of insight about what the Thunder Trust is, what they're trying to do, and how folks can get involved with that. And that was a really, really good conversation. Uh, 
Um, I kind of got off track just now of how to tie this into the episode, but um, we're going to, what we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to insert the, uh, we're going to give you the quick word from 304carwreck.com and we're just going to go right into that interview because it was so good. And then at the, at the end, we're going to uh, take you around the herd and then we'll close, close this episode out. But um, the Thunder Trust is, is up and coming. I mean, it's already here, but it's only going to rise in popularity and what they're trying to do and what they are doing is uh, pretty special with our herd athletes. So if you're curious about the NIL space and Marshall and how it relates to you or it can relate to you, I think you'll get a lot of useful information out of that interview. So with that being said, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been hurt in a wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. Our roads are full of uninsured drivers. When they hurt you, your insurance company can become their insurance company. Insurance companies take your money every month, but they fight you when it's their turn to pay. Don't be a victim twice. Jason and Matt can't protect you from uninsured drivers, but they can protect you from the insurance companies. Find them at 304carwreck.com. One of the newer avenues that has popped up in collegiate athletics over the past year and a half, two years or so, is the movement in NIL, right? And everybody's talking about it. It's a big deal. And it's, for the most part, a really good thing because athletes can finally now, you know, make some money on their name, image, and likeness. And that's provided a lot of opportunities for a lot of athletes. And along with that, we've seen things like collectives pop up. And some schools have several, some schools have an official one, and then several others that are just kind of affiliated with the university. But Marshall is no different. We're trying to make some headway in the NIL space. And one of the ways we're doing that is with Marshall's, what I'm calling most localized. I don't know if it's official, Michael, you can tell me if it's official, but the one that we feel uh, most comfortable saying is the most official collective is the Thunder Trust. And we've been wanting to bring some more information to you guys about that. And today is that day. We're lucky enough to have Michael Masidi joining us today. He's the treasurer for the Thunder Trust, but that is not all that he does. So first and foremost, Michael, thanks for joining the Thundercast and taking a little bit of time to educate us about the Thunder Trust and all things kind of herd-related NIL. Sure. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, the opportunity and uh, uh I've been a big fan of your guys. I was early on listening to uh, to a lot of the early episodes. Uh, I think I was up to episode six or seven that I had to follow off because uh, just stuff gets busy. But I know you guys are doing a great job, and uh, <laughs> it's really great to see all the, the feedback and the back and forth we see on the social media with uh, a lot of your followers. And uh, it's good to be able to talk about NIL. We've been working very hard over the last five or six months to, to get things moving, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity you know katie you mentioned the whether it's official or preferred or or, or the main uh name image and likeness collective of the university we're not really sure how to say that ourselves because okay. there are there are a few rules uh and uh i'm i'm in my daily profession i'm, I'm an accountant i'm a cpa so i'm, I'm big on rules i'm, I'm big on oversight and, and structure and things of that sort and unfortunately in the name image and likeness arena that we've been operating in for the past few years, there's really not a lot of that. Uh, so we're not even sure if, if, if the university can refer to us as their official NIL partner. Uh, we're not asking for that. And, 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 and it's not necessarily an issue, but it does create confusion. That's, that's for sure. With, as we're, as we're trying to evolve and trying to, 
to uh, enhance our image and, 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 and get our, our footprint a little stronger in the area. Yeah, I think I think it is. We, we've Russ and I just in our normal you know, research of this uh, area have come across several that have, are kind of partnered in some way, shape or form with Marshall or Marshall has allowed them to partner in some way. But even those, uh, some of those, Russell, we can talk about that. It, it feels like they're a little bit more on the outside looking in where it feels like this one, the Thunder Trust is more of an internal group, not Marshall internal, but like uh, alums and, and, you know, Huntingtonians and things like that. So we, it, it, I hate to use the word trusted because you say oversight and rules. And so we don't want to give the wrong image, but I feel like personally, I trust the Thunder Trust a little bit more so than some of these others that are out there. But Russ, um, if you want to kick this off somewhere and get this conversation started, let's start where we need to start and start getting some of this great info out to our listeners. Yeah, Michael, I want to start a little bit. If you could just tell us, I mean, uh, we love people that are tied to Marshall. You you and your family are extremely tied to Marshall, have been for generations. Uh, but just tell us a little bit about when you came here, uh, that sort of thing. I know that you were um, a student body president, uh, things like that. Just tell, tell us a little bit about your ties to Marshall, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, as you said, I'm... I'm I... I'm a third generation Marshall student. I, I think there are more and more of us that can, are, are staking that claim uh, as, as the years go by. They're really proud to, to, to have that distinction. Uh, I've been coming to games uh, like I know the two of you have for, for a long time since I was a little kid. And uh, uh, Huntington might have been might as well have been Times Square to me as a kid growing up. I grew up in Beckley in the southern part of the state. So being able to come here on, on Saturdays for, for football games or basketball games when we could fit it in, uh, it just felt like the world to me. And uh we, my wife and I, she's a Marshall graduate. Uh, we, we, we've been here essentially all of our adult life and, and we're not going anywhere. And, and that was part of the, one of the emphasis of the Thunder Trust and, and, and the group that we have uh, supporting our organization is that we wanted people that really had a vested interest in not just the, the, the athletic department, the university, but the community. And I think that's what we're all working for, whether it's what we're doing with the NIL work or, or what you guys are doing on the podcast. We're all trying to, to, to enhance the athletic department and, and rising tide raises all ships. Hopefully that'll flow to the university, the community and, and the area. Um, and that's really, like I said, kind of one of the, the main tenets of, of looking to uh, get a group of people together to start this, start this NIL collective that we have here in Huntington was looking for people that are really invested in the institution, in the athletic department, and also in the community. And your, your day job, you mentioned you're a CPA, but you work at yeah, I'm, I'm a CPA and a partner at the Fife Jones Group. Uh, we've been around for about 40 years here in Huntington. We have an office here in Huntington, an office in Ashland, and then a small office in Portsmouth. And uh, it's it's good because serving as a treasurer, and uh, I, I work a lot with nonprofits. I work a lot with uh, businesses, so I can kind of see the ins and the outs. And uh, part of, of what I've been able to to contribute to our organization is just the oversight and and going through you know, all of the, the things that we need to go through to be a, a structured entity, to be to be up and running and be a 501c3, have a nonprofit status, have all of our filings where we are doing everything as as by the book as we can. And as I mentioned, you know, a few moments ago, not a whole lot of rules uh, as far as specific to NIL. But what what rules that we do have to follow, whether it's the IRS, Secretary of State, whatever it is, we're on top of that. And we've been working as hard as we can to make sure we're our, our, as compliant as we can possibly be in every, every area that we need to be. So I guess what I need to for you to do is break break down this process, right? Break down what the Thunder Trust kind of does on an 
basic level as you can, because sure. I probably like most folks are not, am not an NIL expert, right? So if I'm like, okay, I don't get it. What, what, why do we need that? What does it do? What, I mean, you want me to give money for what? Like, so, sure, so sure. what's, what's kind of the process? Yeah. Well, so just a, a, a brief background, really kind of how we got here is that over, you know, the, the hundred or so years of, of intercollegiate sports, that the term amateurism was always something that was coveted. It was always a term that, that, that meant you were, you were not getting paid for what you were doing. And, and it, the NCAA, as they strengthened their procedures and their policies, part of the amateurism that they wanted to protect dealt with the student athlete and the ability for, for endorsement sponsorships. And they took the position long ago that if you are endorsing things, if you are sponsoring things, if you are getting paid at because of your name, image, and likeness as a student athlete, that violates your amateurism. And therefore, you're not, el you're not eligible to participate in the NCAA sports. So uh, what, what's a little interesting is that in addition to legislation or, or well, that, that rule, is that a lot of athletic departments really strongly discouraged student athletes from working, period, mm -hmm. regardless if it was in violation of the NCAA's, you know, name, image, and likeness rules. They just didn't want you working, period. They didn't want you to have, they didn't want any, any kind of issue with where that could be brought up. If you're being overpaid, if you're being paid, maybe not working the hours you should be working, they, they wanted none of that. And, and I don't think Marshall had any policies like that. And I don't know that any school would say they had a policy on that, but it really prohibited a lot of a lot of student athletes across the country, whether it's Division One with football all the way to, to Division Three, it really prohibited a lot of those student athletes from working. So, uh, over the last twenty years or so, a lot of court battles have been going on to try and uh, to change that. And about two years ago, all the way to the United States Supreme Court, uh, that was essentially that that restriction was was told to be too restrictive, and it was removed. So now, uh, within the last two years, student athletes across the country to participate in NCAA sports and higher education. They're allowed to uh, receive compensation, whether it's for their name, image, and likeness, or whether it's for uh, for just their normal day job. And uh, so kind of circling back to what we're doing uh, here for the trust. And Katie, you mentioned, you know, the different areas or different ways you can, can work with NIL. So there's really three, what, what we found over the past Past year, there's really three areas where NILs happen or name, image, and likeness deals happen. First off, is a simple, you know, business A or donor A pays a student athlete B X amount of money for something, whether it's an endorsement of a product, whether it's for shoveling snow, whether it's for just showing up and, and hanging out. They've got to actually earn the revenue. And that gets into more Department of Labor and IRS rules, but they've actually got to earn the revenue. And so that's really the first thing that we see. And that's maybe some of the more headline grabbing uh, NIL deals you see, whether it's a quarterback getting seven figures or, um, you know, a running back getting six figures to go to a school or a car or whatever. Th those those deals are, are permissible now. And that's what you see kind of, again, kind of in the headlines. So that's the first thing. The second thing is something that Marshall just rolled out really within the last six weeks, although it's been in the works for probably about five months, is an exchange. And Marshall's calling it the, the herd exchange. And essentially, you are the, the institution, uh, they are partnering with a third party, and that third party uh, then uh, discusses with the student athletes the opportunities that could be presented. So Marshall, we have almost 400 student athletes. Um, the student athletes have to opt in to participate with the exchange, and then they are essentially all listed on a website, and then businesses can go on to the exchange 
and they can say, we want to do business with swimmer A, or we want to do business with uh, golfer B. And when they go through that process, the athletic department, and, and as far as Marshall is concerned, the athletic department is allowed to monitor that. They can see what's going on. They can see what businesses are, are working with which student athletes. And they can also see the dollar amounts that are exchanged. So they can keep an eye just in case there's things that, that, that may not necessarily be kosher. They can, they can keep an eye on that. So those exchanges are, are, are very, very helpful, very useful. Uh, but as you can imagine, it's a lot of work and it's a lot of kind of one-on-one -on -one deals, a lot of back and forth. And we're dealing with student athletes. They may be playing in a basketball tournament in Anchorage, Alaska one week, and they may be in, in, in San Jose the next week. So it's very difficult to get a lot of that worked out. And we found that a lot of businesses generally aren't really wanting to put in that kind of manpower. It's just, just a, a tough task. So then the third and final thing is us or NIL collectives. And as you said earlier, there's, they're all across the country. Basically all the power five schools have them. And most of the group of five schools either have them or are starting them. There are actually some sports specific collectives at different schools. So they're saying this is going to be a collective just for football, or this is going to be a collective just for swimming and diving. We don't want to you know, affiliate with any other any other sport, that's fine. That's certainly allowed. But what we are, we're a collective um, that serves and, and tries to help student athletes for all the sports for the institution. And so that's where we come in. And, and really our, our, our big uh, push and the, the thing that we're, we're working for mostly is working with nonprofits. And, and what we've done, we've had several events over the past uh, two months where we've had uh, either it's a business or an individual donor contribute money to our organization and then we work with a nonprofit here in the area for an event, whether it's a, a turkey giveaway or whether it's uh, just doing some time at a, at, a, at a children's center, whatever it may be. We have student athletes that we've partnered with. And in exchange for, for their efforts and their help promoting the nonprofit and, and serving at the nonprofit, we then take it upon ourselves to pay to compensate the student athlete for their time. So it, it's really kind of a triangle where you can get you know, your student athletes, they can be compensated for the time and, and the effort that they're putting forth toward the nonprofit. The nonprofit receives the benefit of, of showing a great partnership with some tremendous student athletes. And hopefully they'll see, uh, you know, more notoriety. They'll see the, the uh, media attention, things of that sort. And then the business over here in the corner, kind of the third part of it, they're able to say, hey, we helped promote the United Way or we helped promote uh, little victories or golden girls group home, whatever it may be. So we're really trying to focus on, on that part of, of our mission. And it's really our primary objective is to do that. And again, we've had probably three or four events so far. We've partnered with over 20 student athletes. It's been great. We've had a, really a lot of feedback and I tell you, getting to know the student athletes on a personal level. Uh, it's really, it's really great. It's, it's been, it's been tremendous. And uh, we're hoping to do a lot more of that as, as we get toward the holidays and we get into, into the new year, we're getting our footing a little better. We've only been around for about five months, so we're working to do as much as we can toward the end of the year. But we're really looking forward to an exciting 2023 for sure. Yeah, that sounds like a an interesting setup. I mean, it makes sense, right? It, so everybody kind of gets something out of the deal. And it, I think you're right. It, it, if I were a business owner, man, I wouldn't want to tackle in to try to work out all these individualized deals and work something out. And it's just easier for me to be a part of something larger that's doing this. That's what they're doing, right? That's essentially quote unquote, your business. You're, you're, you're fostering these deals and, and streamlining the process. Partnering with nonprofits, is, I think is awesome. I mean, that, 
that's that's that really speaks to what you were talking about earlier, people that are invested in the community, because what better way to be invested in the community to, to, to do partnerships uh, with nonprofits in the area? That's just an absolutely tremendous setup. And I hope that some folks that are listening to this are gaining a little bit of insight to what this is all about and are maybe getting those gears turning a little bit like, OK, how can I kind of get involved in that? Russ, what do you got? Michael, you mentioned 501c3. You mentioned these nonprofits and everything. I'm a business. I'm an individual. I'm whatever. I'm interested in, uh, in doing some of this NIL stuff. What are the tax advantages for me to do that? Are there any? Yeah, absolutely. We, we received our nonprofit uh, tax exempt status uh, a few weeks ago. I say a few weeks ago because uh, just as, as kind of a sidebar, you know, <clears throat> um, when when Christian Spear started uh, back in the spring, that was one of his his, his his many things to do. He said, you know, he charged the athletic department with, hey, we need to put up an, an NIL collective. We need to start start one of these groups. And so some some folks at the athletic department reached out to to a few of us. And it was during the summer. Things are, are busy, vacations, whatnot. But we we had our first kind of interest meeting with uh, with uh, our, our board members and the founding kind of founding fathers in uh, in July. And uh, we really started getting the thing going in August. And um, I shouldn't be saying that. I should be puffing up and saying that we've been around for a lot longer. <laughs> and we're just, we've got these, we've got years of history. But I, I say all that because a few moments ago, I said, well, we just got our, our, our nonprofit uh, charitable tax exempt status. Uh, it's it's a lot of work and we're doing it all on volunteer hours. Every one of us, not any of members of the organization are, are, are paid at all. We are doing it, spending a tremendous amount of time uh, just getting everything filed, getting everything set up. And uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners have gone through just business licensing organizations. I know you guys have also. It's it's, it's easy, but it's, it's still a lot of work. And uh, so so in any event, uh, yes, yeah, so if someone wanted to make a contribution, whether it's an individual or a business, uh, they would receive a, a, a tax donation. Uh, we're not offering any benefit as it stands right now to the donor, meaning there wouldn't need to be any deduction of anything we're giving you back. Uh, which is not the case with a lot of charitable contributions. If you make a, a donation to an organization and you get a gift back from the organization, or even if it's a something of a token of appreciation, generally speaking, there has to be some kind of a consideration, some kind of a value assigned to what you give back. So in any event, uh, you give money to us, you direct it toward others, a specific sport, a specific event, uh, or even a specific student athlete. Uh, then uh, you, you get the donation, you get the, the, the tax deduction. And then uh, if you are a business, or if you want some kind of notoriety or you want to be included in the promotions of, of what we end up doing, uh, we certainly do that. We, we had some, some contributions come in just general uh, about two months ago from a corporation. And we reached out to them about a month after the fact and said, hey, we've got this coming up. Is this an OK organization for us to partner with and use your logo and promote your business? And, and they were absolutely fine with it. So uh, we're, we're working. We're very fluid and we're, we're very uh, we're very open to any kind of interesting uh, ideas or, or techniques that people have for, for running the business and, and helping our student athletes. So that's that's another interesting thing to me, because there are far more individual fans than there are fans that are business owners. So John Q. Hurd fan or Jane Q. Hurd fan. Can I know to, both of them. <laughs> they're hella folks, man. They're, they're great, great people. Yeah. Never miss a home game. Always traveling. But no, they can go to the Thunder Trust website. They can contact you on social media and say, hey, I want to get involved. You don't have to be a business owner, right? You can just be a guy or a gal or just a fan or whatever to be involved in this, right? Absolutely. And one of the 
one of the, the things that we have, uh, I don't want to say struggle, but one of the things that we were, we're trying to, to work through is, you know, as you guys know, I hear you talk about it uh, when I was listening regularly. Uh, <laughs> I love what he says uh, in the was. <laughs> every week. I, I see it on the, I see it on the socials regularly, but you know, we have a great <sighs> fundraising arm for our athletic department, the folks at the big green, they work tirelessly on, on, on a lot of fronts on a lot of coasts. I mean, mm-hmm. they're all over the place and they're doing a lot of good work. We have an outstanding relationship with them and uh, they've been, they've sent us a ton of stuff. We've sent them a ton of stuff back and forth, but we are cognizant of the fact that uh, we don't want to be stepping on their toes with what they're doing. We don't want to get in the way of, of what they're doing because their mission is different than ours. And, and, and we, we know that and, and, and John, Teddy, everybody there, has been just tremendous to work with. But that's one of the things that we're trying to define is, is or determine as we kind of shore up our identity is, uh, you know, are we going to be giving away things on a regular basis? Are we going to be doing, you know, tailgates on a regular basis, things like that? Because you guys do a tailgate. The Big Green does lots mm-hmm. of tailgates. You know, there, there's lots of opportunities out there, but we want to be thoughtful about it and in, in, in our approach and, and to not you know, kind of, like I said, get in the way of other organizations that are already doing, doing it and doing it well here in the area. Yeah. But it's still nice to know that just anyone who is motivated to do so can just yeah. get involved. Absolutely. And we've 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 received a, a tremendous amount of, uh, of individual contributions. It's been more of a grassroots you know, effort over the past four or five months. And that's based purely on, on manpower. But mm-hmm. as you guys said, we've got a great website. It's thunder. It's the thundertrust.com. And on, on our website, all of our socials are listed. And uh, we have three officers that are involved really in the, the day-to-day operations of the organization myself. Uh, a guy named Tyler Hutchison, who's a Huntingtonian. He was actually uh, the quarterback at Huntington High School, and he spent uh, three years on the football team at Yale. So he comes to it from a, from a tremendous student-athlete perspective, which has been great. And then uh, our, 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 our vice chairman or vice president is Matt Wolfel, a local attorney here in town. Uh, and Matt's been closely involved with, student, with, with athletics. Uh, he played high school basketball at St. Joe and is uh, on the coaching staff at St. Joe right now and working a lot with, with their programs on, on the high school level. Uh, so we, the three of us are, are really kind of the, the main three people that are working as far as officers of the organization. But we, we've been very responsive to the information, to the questions anybody's had for us. And we, we certainly get back to the individuals that have been working with us. Yeah, we will do our best to, to, to continue to talk about this and to help drive membership or drive, I don't want to call it membership because, you know, it's just a drive donorship. How about that? We'll drive sure, donorship sure. that way. And uh, because this is not going away, this is only going to become a more integral and vital part of collegiate athletics. And with news that broke just the other day, big news with the expansion of the college football playoff, things like this are going to become even more important, right? Because if you expect to compete at those highest of levels, you're going to have to have things in place that are attractive for athletes to want to come and be a part of your program. So that is an ever evolving thing. We know that, um, you know, by no means trying to say that the success of the Thunder Trust directly correlates with the success of Marshall University Athletics, but it doesn't not directly correlate, you know? So we, it's, it's just wild how we're kind of entering this uh, new frontier in the world of collegiate athletics. And like you said, there's hardly any, you know, like regulations out there, really. We're all kind of feeling our way, but we want to make sure we're doing things the right way so that nothing comes back and nips you in the butt after the fact. And I can appreciate that. I can appreciate that we're doing it the right way. I wouldn't expect anything less from, you know, herd fans and, and the Thunder Trust and anything that's associated with our athletic department. Russ, do you have anything 
uh, that you want to get to before we get into some fun stuff and, well, and get, give Michael back his Saturday? <laughs> yeah. So what we have uh, been talking about here is like what you do and how people can be involved, but where do they go? How do they contact you uh, to get started with this? Yeah. So, so again, we have a website, the thundertrust.com and uh, there we have contact information and we have all the socials posted there. Uh, we've got a very active social media campaign and um, I'm a, I'm a 39 year old CPA, as I said earlier, I'm embarrassed how much I've learned over the last three or four months about uh, the opportunities that are out there as far as social media is concerned. Uh, whether it's collaborations that guys, I didn't know that collaborations were even a thing until about a month and a half ago on, on, on Instagram and on the, uh, on the socials, just stuff that, you know, I'm, I'm a bean counter at the end of the day. So it's not necessarily my, my wheelhouse when it gets to that, but uh, we've been very active there. We've had an incredible uh, response. We think so, uh, you know, again, for the infancy of our program, but um, so the thundertrust.com again, lots of information there, lots of ways to get in touch with us. And uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a good thing. Um, you, you know, it's funny, Katie, you mentioned that the ever evolving, you know, landscape and, uh, I don't know if you guys have been following, you know, we don't talk about our, our sister school in Morgantown that often, uh, but, you know, they had a, a turnover in their athletic department for the past few weeks. And and one of the main sticking points, as it seems, was uh, how Shane Lyons, their outgoing athletic director, was handling uh, their 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 trust, their name is like this trust, and it's called the Country Roads Trust. Probably shouldn't say that. Probably shouldn't give somebody else to trust a little. We'll edit, <laughs> we'll edit that out. Maybe yeah, this sure. entire interview, now that you brought up WVU, we might just edit the whole thing. I think your mic cut out during that. Yeah, it's okay. We'll, we'll get it fixed. But uh, but I was really surprised. Uh, uh, Shane Lyons made some comments. Uh, he did an interview earlier this or last week on uh, on his departure, and he specifically mentioned that, or it was, it was specifically mentioned. And to see that something like that is front and center uh, of the departure of, of an athletic director, uh, was was really shocking to me, and uh, the, their their incoming AD, his name is Ren Baker. Uh, it sounds like he is a big proponent, and he is working very closely with with their NIL and, and working on that. Just so just to see that that the the collective that they have that another school has, I should say, and um, that it was so pivotal in uh, in what they're what they're doing, the decisions they're making, and very very costly decisions, as, as I'm sure you guys know. But just to see that. Uh, that really hit home with us and our board. We we had a board meeting uh, last week and we talked about it a lot. Just you know that that made it that made it a little a, a little more real, I should say, uh, for us when we saw that when that's happening. Yeah, it's it's wild. You know, some folks still I think view this as this passing fad that's like never going to catch on, and it's like oh, this is a hot button issue for now. It's, it, no, this it, is it's, it's here. here. This yeah. is as here as the transfer portal is. It is here to stay. It is what will fuel you know programs moving forward, you know, and if, whether you decide the, the more and the earlier you decide to invest in it as an athletic department or get behind the movements of these things, the better off you're going to be. The longer you fight it off and say, ah, it's not a big deal. We don't really need that. You're going to find yourself falling further and further behind. So I can applaud Marshall for wanting to get in front of it or as close to the forefront of it as they could, you know, and getting something in place. Uh, and it's, it's, again, I can't just beat this drum enough. It's nice to be associated with a collective that is herd fans, herd alums, local folks, like they care. You're not just got, mm -hmm. you, you've referred to yourself as a bean counter. I don't know how many times already, but you're not just a bean counter. You're a Marshall loving, you know, fan, Huntington loving bean counter. <laughs> right? yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, just yeah. your run of the mill accountant. 
You're a guy that cares about the state sure, of affairs yeah. with the athletic department. That means something. That means something for us. It means something for the folks that are listening to the show because that's what they tune in for, you know, and everybody Absolutely. wants to do business with the herd, especially other herd fans. And we're glad to have you behind this. Um, Russ, do you have anything else related to the Thunder Trust? That yeah, we, my, that my, Michael, it says here that I saved your life one time. Comments? <laughs> Uh, that's probably for an off-air conversation, I believe. I don't think we can... <laughs> so, no, you can go to the thundertrust.com and check out all the details if you want to. We They're on Twitter as well um, uh, and Facebook, I believe. If they're going to dabble into some other avenues of social media, I wish them the best of luck because it's pretty tough. I'm, not, I'm no TikToker. I'm not a good Instagrammer. It's daunting. But uh, those things, much like in Iowa, are not going away. But, look, let's talk about something really fun here before we get you out of here. Um, and get you back to enjoying your Saturday. <clears throat> we are seeing a nice trend upward here in the current state of affairs of the Herd football team finished really strong, eight and four going into a bowl game, a lot of momentum. As you look back as a student, as an undergraduate, and your time with the Herd, what really sticks out to you? Maybe your top one or two moments uh, from any sport, it doesn't have to be football, that continually warms your heart when you think about yourself at that time, at that age and the herd. Yeah. So uh, I can't believe that you're asking me this because it's very fortunate about two months ago, uh, I was at a dinner and I was sitting with Christian and Christian Spears, our athletic director. And there was about 30 people in the room. And as the, as the food was brought out, he, uh, he, had, he didn't have a chance to meet everybody in the room yet. And he wanted everybody to, to do exactly that, to go around the room and do exactly that. And so I'm going to say the same three things that I said there, that I, then I'm going to say those now. Uh, and I, as a sidebar, it was really neat just to hear 30 people discuss their 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 most exciting uh, martial moments of their life. Yeah. So so for me, it's it's three things. So the first, uh, you know, you said earlier uh, that the ego side of me, as you mentioned, I, I was student body president in 2005, 2006. And uh, that was an incredible honor for me. And uh, I, I took it very seriously. I worked very hard. And it's something that, that I'll never forget and will be with me. Uh, for, for my entire life, and it changed my life forever. But uh, it's something that 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 was was my fondest memory of of undergrad, undergrad, you know, being a part, being involved. Uh, I had the pleasure of of being the student body president when we were filming We Are Marshall, and it was chaotic. Campus was a mess. It was a zoo. There was so much going on, but it was neat. Just feeling electricity was 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 really really neat. So so that you know, I think by law maybe that has to take the first uh, the first spot, but. Uh, numbers two and three. The second thing was, uh, in 2013, we went to the military bowl, uh, you know, in, in Annapolis in the backyard of the nation's capital. And we beat Maryland. Maryland was coming out of the ACC. They were going into the big 10 and, you know, and you guys have talked about these things. We've had so many historic triumphs, uh, in the history of martial athletics, but for some reason that, that victory for me, it just kind of felt like, okay, we are here. We have mm -hmm. arrived. This is an incredible venue in an incredible place. We're playing a worthy opponent, uh, Big Ten, ACC, whatever you want to call it. And, and we beat them. And just to be there, I was with, at the time I was with my dad and my then girlfriend and with my fiance is now my wife. For me, just being there in that environment, that, that was just top notch for me. And, and again, I know we've had a lot of victories over the history of the, order, of, of, of the department, but that for me was was really just the biggest the biggest on field on field thing, and then the last thing, and, and this is something you, you guys may not even be aware of, but when we uh, when we beat Western Kentucky in the Conference USA Championship in basketball to to get the NCAA bid, uh, very quickly 
and very, I think it was kind of haphazardly, the Big Green, they put together a, a viewing kind of selection show party at the Henderson Center. Now, we knew we were getting in because we had clinched with the automatic bid for winning the conference, but uh, there was still, you know, a matter of where we were going to play, who we were going to play, what bracket, mm-hmm. all that. And within a matter of five or six hours, really just through word of mouth, through social media, it felt like they had 3,000 people in, in that building. Uh, and it was just electric. It was awesome. My wife and I, we took our son. And I, I, I'll never forget when they announced us on the screen, they had us there. The place just erupted as if there was a, a million to one shot we were going to get in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But just seeing that environment and just seeing uh, the amount of fans that came out on a last minute notice, frankly. I mean, it was a beautiful spring. I, I remember there, like it was yesterday because my wife and I were walking, we were wearing Marshall stuff and there were some herd fans on the trail here at Ritter Park saying, go herd. And you could just feel the electricity. And I remember being there and saying, hey, let's, let's go to this thing. It's only a few hours, let's go. But a lot of people had that very same conversation. And it took a lot of work from the athletic department, from the big green, they put it together and it was tremendous. But uh, just being there and just seeing, uh, you know, a, a, a large part, I felt like a large part of her nation uh, supporting uh, them on kind of like I said, like on a last minute kind of whimsical thing. It was really neat. So that that's my three. That's an that's interesting. That, that, I can see how that would be awesome. But yeah, you know, not many uh, not many folks talk about those sort of things. But those are great events. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. this you haven't been in the NCAA tournament thirty one years. Of course, you want to see your name across the screen like you see these schools every year, especially those bubble teams that get that call and they're like they erupt. But yeah, we knew we were getting in, but so what? It was awesome. You get to see your name, your logo across the TV and, you know, your guys were awarded on national television. Also, I'd like to point out that that's for Kim Cato's game jersey from the Military Bowl. There you go. So uh, I, I, th- that's a game we talk about a lot as the one that Marshall really turned the corner and it felt like we had arrived. So you're right as rain on that one. Um, Russ, what do we, what do you got to help close it out here? Uh, and then, if you don't have anything, we'll we'll look to get this man this Saturday back. Yeah, I'd just like to uh, defer my usual stuff over to Michael. And Michael, if there's anything that you would like to give out as a charge to uh, our fans or uh, anything that you would like to say, just, uh, I mean, it can be as simple as go hurt or it can be like telling somebody that what you think that we need to do as a fan base to yeah. turn the corner but I'll leave that up to you. Just any kind of message that you would like to have. Sure. Sure. Thank you. You know, one of the things that is me personally, the biggest, the biggest thing that I've gained from, from the past five or six months and and, and running our trust is working with our student athletes uh, kind of on a, on an individual level and, and getting to know a lot of their stories. And unfortunately uh, you know, I'm as busy as you guys are. I don't get a chance to go to as many events as I can. I don't get a chance to, to, to go to as many games as, as I can. Uh, but I've, I've learned that I need to be doing more of that over the past five or six six months as, as I've worked with these student athletes. And, you know, this is the way the world works and the media environment that we have, you know, football and men's basketball tend to get majority of the media coverage. Uh, of course, men's soccer here lately and then baseball and then and, you know, volleyball. We've, we've, we've had, you know, tidbits here and there, uh, but, but our, our other sports have tremendous stories with tremendous people. And and I really urge folks that, that if you haven't had a chance, just check out what, you know, what baseball's got going on. You know, I know we talk about the stadium all the time, but there's a lot of great stories there. We got a new coach coming in here soon. It's going to be exciting uh, from men's golf. You know, the list goes on and on. But I would encourage people to, to, to start, you know, and as it is in this world, it starts with social media. 
Mm -hmm. Social media accounts for for all of our sports are are very active. I know Christian has been emphatic of of getting that going and getting more more activity and seeing more stuff out there for the individual sports. But I really encourage her nation to to continue to support not just again football, you know, men's basketball, soccer, but all of our other sports because there's a lot of great stories to tell, a lot of good people that are that are running those sports. And it's been a pleasure to be involved with those groups, and we look forward to doing a lot more of that and supporting them, you know, as we as we go on. I'd like to thank you for taking the time to join us there on this Saturday and inform not only my dumbass about the Thunder Trust, but also the all of our listeners that are out there that are sitting on yep. the fence wondering if they can get involved or how they can get involved. This has been a tremendously informative segment, and I'm so glad that you took the time to do this. So, uh, Michael Masidi, once again, treasurer of the Thunder Trust. Find them at Thundertrust, thethundertrust.com. Look for them on Facebook and Twitter as well. Uh, we'll have the links to the websites and the social media handles in the description of this episode. But thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, this was this was great. This is something we've been wanting to do for a long time. We just can't thank you enough for spending a few minutes with us talking about this. Good. Thank you, guys. Go Herd. Go Herd. Go herd. All right, Russ, let's close out this episode uh, by taking it around the herd. Let's start off with uh, track and field. The women track and field team are playing tonight. They have the field events at 7.30. I'm sorry, the field events at 6.30 p.m. over at the uh, Chris Klein uh, Athletic Complex. And the track events start at 7.30. This will be against Moorhead. And the other bit of news, this is women only for this. The men do not start, which this will be a brand new uh, men's team resurrected from, what's it been, since 2004? Yeah, I think it was 2004. So the men start theirs in January. So we'll have some news coming up on their meet. But if you're in the area tonight and you're not going to the basketball uh, game for the women, go over to the indoor field and watch the women's track and field team. Yeah. We've been pretty excited about uh, the ladies track and field team based on some totals that we saw last year. And, and uh, we know some of those athlete athletes have moved on, but some have not. So there are some top performers for the herd that are going to be returning for this inaugural uh, season in the Sunbelt. But uh, it, it, it's another athletic team starting up that finished strong last year. And um, we've seen what the cross country team did and then how they've starting to reach new heights. I've got a little bit of added excitement about this track and field team and what we might see this year. So big time stuff. Uh, The the season crept up on me. Like I knew it was about to start. And then I saw a tweet today. It was like, today's the day <laughs> yeah. like, holy crap <laughs> it's crept up on me but uh get over there to the chris klein athletic complex if you're not going to go check out the lady herd play tonight or if you can do a little bit of both do a little bit of both um and support our herd athletes yeah run over at halftime and watch a little bit of that and then run back yeah That'd run be, back it's fine yeah yeah <laughs> celebrate track man run <laughs> <laughs> all right uh women's basketball as we mentioned are playing tonight but Let's talk about what they did in their last game. Yeah. They they eviscerated Davis and Elkins 104 to 43, set uh, some records uh, all around in that. And then tonight they host Wright State at 6 p.m. And they will be playing at USF South Florida Wednesday at, this was a weird time, 11 a.m. Ooh. On, a, on a Wednesday. Gross. Yeah. I, Man. But, 
Yeah, you might still be able to go. I could go. I didn't yeah. know it was 11 a.m. Maybe I will 11 go. 11 a.m., yeah. Maybe I will go. That might be fun. Let's t- let's talk briefly about this Davis and Elkins <laughs> 104 to 43. I heard they all turned their jerseys in and said, forget this shit, man. This is no fun anymore. <laughs> I've 104 got the box. to 43. Holy, yeah, I got the box score up too. And I remember tweeting and right right after the uh right after the the final that uh Rochelle Scott and Tara Harness could have out what well, did outscore um Davis and Elkins on their own. Never mind the remaining 40 whatever 60 points that were scored. Brother, I hate to laugh. I'm not trying to laugh, but I am trying to laugh because this it's is just—it's two different levels of teams. Yeah, it no, is. It is. We're not... we're we're not making fun. We are celebrating our girls. Um, but you know, I have been on the losing end as a, a in little league and you know, uh, middle school, junior high of that of where it's an embarrassing embarrassing loss so i am not trying to pile on but we can't just sit here and whole hum be like well they uh they eked out a 104 to 43 victory <laughs> that's so, a good showing <laughs> yeah uh let's talk real briefly um uh, you are probably familiar with it i don't know how many other people are but plus minus in basketball when you're on the court um Tara Harness played 26 minutes and 17 seconds. She played the most minutes of everyone. So it, you know, kind of feels like she should be the leader of the plus minus, you mm-hmm. know, in, in a game such as this, her plus minus was 44. <laughs> okay. That's so, enough to outscore the, the Davis and Elkins. They had 43. That's what I was going to say. They had 43 <laughs> while she was on the court. We outscored them by 44 only while she was on the court, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. I mean, just, man, we shot 17 to 33 from three point seven out of 10 from uh, the charity stripe, 40 out of 70 overall. Uh, I, I just out-rebounded them 40 to 23, or I'm sorry, 49 to 34. We had... Uh, defensive rebounds out rebounding them 40 to 23 just every category it's every category every category category. and one of the coolest things about that is 12 of the 14 players on the herd roster scored a bucket right one of of the two that did not score one did not attempt a shot right and um uh olivia zielkowski only attempted one she played for five minutes attempted one shot and missed that shot so Everybody else, the, everybody that attempted at least two shots in the game scored. So this was a overall, I mean, is dominating a fair word to use? I think it's beyond dominating, you know, but good for them, man. I mean, almost 50, over 57% from the floor, over 50% from three. I mean, they they were doing their thing, and and man. I didn't know that. I'll tell you what, I'm going back to that 11 a.m. game at USF. I had no clue that game was that early. I was obviously just thinking it was going to be like a 7 p.m. tip or something like that. Um, I have to check that out. That might be something that I'm able to do. Is that this this Wednesday or this is it next Wednesday? Wednesday? This Ooh, Wednesday coming like, up. Okay. The uh, What is that, the 14th? Yeah. It's 14th, 16th, something like that. Yeah, 16th is Friday, so it'll be the 14th. Yeah. 14th, yeah. Man, I might check that out. Hmm. Hey, if any of you guys are listening, uh, 
that that's also going to be in the Tampa area doing nothing on Wednesday at 11 a.m. Maybe we should just meet up at the Yingling Center and watch some basketball for a little bit. That'd be pretty cool. Pretty cool. So anyway, playing, uh, what are they playing? Wright State tonight. Wright State tonight at 6 p.m. Yeah, should be another, I don't want to call it a fairly easy victory, but this Wright State team is kind of struggling. One of six on the season, one and six on the season. You know, the herd's at home off of a big win. I mean, you know, again, we got tickets. You should probably go treat yourself to an evening and watch a Lady Herd victory out there just having a good time. So go out there and support them. I mean, we will give you the tickets. I don't know if anybody's responded yet, but I said the first to DM us will get our tickets. And that's that's the first to reply to the Thundercast on Twitter or on Facebook, whatever. If you want to go, just say, I want to, I want the tickets. I'll go and we'll give them to you. All right. We're going to keep it on a little bit of round ball and finish it up with men's basketball. We uh, hyped up that Ohio game. Yeah. And man, did the herd show up and show out. Sure. They, did. Uh, they, uh, they were up a lot more than the 83 69. Um, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, because it, like I said, it seems like it's been ages ago now, but, uh, on Saturday we beat them 83 to 69, another solid showing Ohio tried to make a run at one point, but we just have way too much talent on this team. Uh, we are tearing up the Mac. Uh, we beat Duquesne last night, 82 to 71. And we were up 21 points Mm -hmm. at one point during that game. And they made a huge run. They made a 10, nothing run. And how often have we seen in a, in a team, if, if someone goes 10, nothing on us in a short amount of time, we're down big or, you know, we're down, we were still up pretty good. Mm -hmm. They, they whittled it down to four points as the closest time. And we just pulled back away and ended up winning by 11. And, um, I, I saw some amazing basketball to, to close out that first half. We had a 16, nothing run, amazing passes, backdoor cuts, finishing at the rim. Uh, we hit some three pointers, but, most of it was just fast breaks, steals, getting good rebounds, and we just took it to a very good Duquesne team. They were yeah. seven and one, and not much further below us in the KenPom.com, Ken Pomroy's uh, ratings. So, and we got a good team. We do. I want to go back and talk about Ohio first a little bit. Yep. I mean, this was a hyped up game. Remember, we were talking about Marshall's trying to push the sellout, and of course, we know that's really, really hard to do. Yeah, uh, but uh, over five thousand at the game. They did the rally towel thing. Um, I'm the whiteout. I'm sure it looked really, really good. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch a second of that due to my work schedule. I tried. Uh, I, I was hoping to be able to get to a point where I could at least check in, but I couldn't. Uh, Marshall shot over forty six percent from the floor, just under thirty percent from three point range in that game. I mean, it was it was. Uh, Five players in double digits scoring. Uh, Obana has 16. Kerfman with 11. Andy Taylor, 19, leading the way. K- uh, Kenzie right behind him with 18. And then Jacob Connor with 10. I mean, this is the type of a herd team that really looks like they can beat you in a number of ways right now. Um, if one or two guys have to just take over and, and control the scoring, they will. If they need to dish the ball around and distrib- distribute the scoring to better match up with an opponent, they can do that too. There's just so much scoring going on right now with this herd offense that there's really not a spot that you can point to uh, 
and go, you know, they're really, really weak at this area and it's killing them. Well, one thing, and we'll get into this a little bit later when we do the recap of the second game that we're going to talk about, but they were five of, five of 11 from uh, free throw line, mm-hmm. and they uh, they weren't very good at that last night either. If you're looking for nitpicking, that's some nitpicking because we dominated both of those games. We're up huge early in both of those games. And that allows for a buffer when the team yeah. gets hot and hits some threes and, you know, the ball bounces their way on some things. Uh, but if you're nitpicking, that's about all you can do with this squad right now. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they're yeah. not deficient in an area that's killing them. Right. So if you're losing games by four points and you're, you know, five of 11 from the free throw line, you're like, that's killing them. You know, yeah. that's a difference in the game. But right now the scoring is is there. So – you can go five eleven from the line and it doesn't matter because you're still winning by 10, you know, uh, second game of the, of the swing here between episodes for us, Duquesne, that was a hyped game as well. Both teams coming in seven and one, this an, another game that people thought was going to be a measuring stick type game for this Marshall team. How good are they really to go into a seven and one Duquesne team on the road? And how are they going to match up 82 to 71? I think they match up just fine. Um, Several runs. They were even out-rebounded. Marshall minus 10 on the rebounding in the rebounding category, but it didn't matter. It just didn't matter. They were dominating in the points in the paint. Uh, Despite getting out-rebounded, I heard the Duquesne announcers say that. I got to listen to the game just a little bit, um, and that was the point that they made because, you know, I I didn't watch the whole thing, so I couldn't – I didn't have any context. But I heard their announcers say – here we are with over 50 rebounds. They've got whatever it was at the time, 38 or whatever at the time. He's like, and we're getting out and we're getting beaten the points of the paint. And it was by a considerable margin. I can't remember the point totals. I'm sorry to say, but it's just one of those things. That category you're deficient in, but it's not killing you. At the time, they had 38 rebounds and we had 23. Or maybe they had 38 rebounds. 23 of them were offensive rebounds. And they said, I think they had 62 points at that time. They said, how are we getting beat when in points in the paint, which were very small, but they only had 62 points. They had 23 offensive rebounds. Yeah. Well, from watching the game, a lot of it was the presence of Micah Handlogton down low. They would get these offensive rebounds. Uh, some of them were, um, I don't know, tip balls that just kind of bounced back to where they would get them uh, up near the top of the key. Uh, but they would get these offensive rebounds and still couldn't put it back home because they've got the seven foot one center phenom there swatting at him. Even if he's not getting the block, he's changing shots. He got 16 rebounds in that game. The only thing that I want to say is he had a couple down low, dude, you're seven, one, you're a center. <laughs> you got to go strong, man. <laughs> I know, I know you're a freshman, you know? And I also, if I went out and you and I played, uh, I'd probably only win like 40% of the probably. time. Probably. Probably. I'm, I'm, da- you know me, I'm dangerous as soon as I get across half court. But anyway, all joking aside, when he gets that mean streak, when he gets that aggressiveness yeah. down low to yeah. just go up and, and block, I mean, uh, stuff it in their face with a dunk, you know, that his game is going to skyrocket. We've talked yeah. about how, at times he has not been an offensive force just because he's doing everything he should be doing. He's rebounding and all that stuff, but he's not got that killer going for, man, this is my team. 
Uh, we talked about that the last show. You know, it might show up later in the year. It mm-hmm. may show up next year. It may show up when he's a junior. No one knows. But that's really the only thing with him last night. He had 16 rebounds. He was altering shots. He was doing his usual tying up, diving on the floor after loose balls. This guy is a hustler. And uh, he just, he really needs to just posterize some people and, and, do that instead of the the layups every now and then. Cause he missed a couple of putbacks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, team scoring, second consecutive game, fifth game this season where you see five Marshall players in double digits. Uh, open up with eleven, uh, hand logged in a bucket away, one strong putback away from having six players in double figures. He has yep. eight career high, sixteen rebounds in this young career for this freshman. Uh, Kerfin 14 on five of seven shooting four of six from three Andy Taylor with 18 Kenzie with 19 and Wyatt Fricks with 12 again the herds hovering right around 50 percent from the field at 47 percent and just below 30 percent from three point at 27.8 uh, percent this is what this team does it looks like they're good for you know unless they're just off they really look like they're buried into that 45 to 50 percent from the from the floor type night and uh, anywhere between, you know, 25 and 35% from the three point range. And I think most nights as a herd fan, you're going to take that, especially with the defensive prowess that we're seeing mm-hmm. uh, with this new look herd team from a year ago. I think you'll take those numbers most of the time. We talked about hand logged in as a freshman. Uh, the other two freshmen, let's talk about them briefly. Wyatt Fricks had a great night. Uh, he had it on rebounds. He had it tipping to other people. He had it on some good passes. Uh, he scored a lot. Um, he uh, he did extremely well. Connor doesn't have the stats when you're looking because he had four fouls. Mm-hmm. But when he was in, we outscored them. He had the highest plus minus at 21 out of anybody. When he was in and he was handling the guard duty, they just could not. That's when we went on the huge run that uh, he got in foul trouble. He didn't have the stats because he wasn't out there long enough to, uh, uh, you know, be be a part of the offense, couldn't be real aggressive driving to the hoop and everything. But we are blessed with three really good freshmen. The length that they bring, the defense that they bring, uh, they're all very good at offense. Uh, again, Handlockton just seems to be, and it's probably because we run such a guard-oriented offense, his points in the paint are going to have to be on those putbacks, so he just needs to go up and dunk them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the the highest plus-minus. That was only in 19 minutes on the floor. Yep. You yep. know, So that really drives that point home. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a nice problem to have. Marshall's got mm-hmm. a really nice problem right now. Um, with the, the way this team's coming together early on in the season, there's a, there's, it, it doesn't seem like uh, anybody is, nobody's having to carry too big of a load. Let's put it that way. If somebody's cold one night or somebody's just mm-hmm. not feeling it, there are literally six or seven other guys that can collectively pick up that slack. Conversely, if somebody's on fire, then they're just going to feed that guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's been a several years that I can recall us as herd fans being treated to this type of, of basketball, you know, and you might have to go all the way back to that 2017 type era, you know, that NCAA tournament type team, Elmore and Browning and and CJ Burks and that era of guy 
to uh, point to the time when Marshall had this type of um, offensive prowess, and it's it's pretty cool. And and then you talk tack on the the defensive uh, prowess that that Marshall's brought in this year, and it just it really makes Marshall seem like a potentially dangerous team. Like you know, may, we we probably could have of navigated a tougher out of conference schedule and had just as good of a record. That that's. So it's it's unfortunate we were talking about how underwhelming the schedule is, and and we knew the thought the thought process behind it because this was a different makeup of a different team, and we needed to get it right early. And it seems like they've they've come together in such a way so early that they could have played tougher teams and still had a seven and one record, you know. And again, we're dang one one point away from being eight and zero, you know. I think that we're also too. We have seen very tiny glimpses, and that play. Uh and I don't mean one singular play, I mean their overall play, to close out the first half was one of those glimpses where Mm -hmm. things are firing on all cylinders. Uh, But we are seeing dominating performances as a team when we talk about Obina only scoring like two points or four points earlier in the season. Uh, You know, getting beaten on on the boards and still dominating. When we put it all together, and hopefully that's going into conference play, this team is dangerous. Very. And um, I, I, I just see that we're going to get better, especially with these freshmen. I mean, we've got, uh, again, let's see, uh, two starters that they're playing for the first time as Marshall uh, people and the uh, two first two off the bench are playing basically their first play except for the two games of garbage time that Fricks got in last year Mm -hmm. of his knee injury. So like four out of our seven are basically new. Yeah. And we're, we're, we're still putting together these team performances. So they're playing very well together, complimenting themselves uh, and each other. Uh, This team is going to make a run if we can continue this level of play. Now, the top third of the Sunbelt Conference, maybe the top half-ish, I'd say the top third is more accurate, is pretty, it's pretty good. There's a lot yeah. of good teams that are making some noise. The Southern Misses are making some noise. Louisiana's making some noise. Old Dominion is always tough. So even mm-hmm. if they're not making as much noise as you think they should, they're going to be making noise come conference playtime. James Madison is making some noise, and you toss the herd in there. And it's going to be a dogfight. It's going to be a slugfest, you know, to kind of who can come out of these – um, out of this conference when they all start playing each other and we all start beating up on one another, you know, who's going to win enough of those street fights to come out on top. It's going to be, um, it's going to be vastly important that, you know, we stay healthy and that we, uh, you know, we come out of this out of conference kind of just rolling. I mean, the herd is rolling right now. It's, it's hard to fathom that there's still room to get better because of how good they are as a team right now. But yet there is Russ, if you don't have, you got anything else? I got one more thing. I got one more thing for you that floated across the timeline earlier. So we might as well talk about it. Let's take it right back to herd men's soccer real quick because there were a flurry of accolades that came out. Uh, You mentioned the all Southeast region team for women's soccer. And now the men's is out, and there are a ton of herd players on that. Let's start with the all Southeast region first team. Matthew Bell lands on the first team. 
Milo Yosef lands on the All Southeast Region first team, and uh, Gabriel Alves lands on the All Southeast Region first team. Goalkeeper Oliver Simla lands on the All Southeast Region second team, and Vinicius Fernandez lands on the All Southeast Region second team. Heard well represented in the All Southeast Region, so lots of accolades for that program, as you would expect to see with this this crop of players that we have here they're just uh so damn good and you know to land that many on that many on an all southeast region team is is pretty impressive stuff for us let's give me some final words here and let's take it out let's uh gather ourselves uh next week and have a very good uh preview for this bowl uh but in the meantime Get on what we talked about earlier, buy tickets, enter for tickets, do all that stuff, and support our herd athletes. Other than that, I'm going to take us out by saying whether you see us at the can, whether you see us at the track and field indoor uh, meet, or whether you see us down at the Wild Wing Cafe, no matter where you see us, we're going to be screaming, Go Herd. Go Herd, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you next week with that Myrtle Beach Bowl preview. Later. Later.